Hello, I'm Pastor Michael Shannon with Identity Church in Deltona, Florida. We're glad that you made a decision to watch the service today. Please stay tuned after the service for more information about Identity Church. Now let's go ahead and join the service already in progress. Good morning, church. I don't know about you, but I feel pulled in a hundred different directions. My, uh, my emotions are just uh, so grateful before the Lord today. So thankful for who he is, who he is in our lives. Amen. Um, Stephanie, I can't thank you enough. Praise team, can't thank you enough for providing an atmosphere for us to join the Lord in. Appreciate it very much. Um, to be honest with you, um, you know, sometimes you get into a meeting or a, a specific service and you feel betwixt uh, to what, you know, what to do. Um, I, feel a, I feel a real intercessory uh, spirit on us this morning. It's, um, it's just really appealing to uh, me, I'm sure probably others, just to continue to break down what needs to be broke down. I think that we're in a tremendous opportunity. I believe that over the last couple of nights, I can only tell you what I heard the Lord say to me in prayer this morning, that your, uh, your response has been um, amazing. Your repentance has been genuine. Your willingness to adjust has been honorable. And the Lord said that um, in the days to come, individually and corporately, you'll be under an open heaven. Okay. So I don't, you know, could, I don't know what's going on in everybody's life. You know, everybody's just, you know, going through different things. But I just feel like there's a, a real grace that has come to embrace us, you know, and and you've been willing to to comply, and that's huge. Very, it's just huge. So um, I'm going to just get started this morning. Um, I'm going to share with you what the Lord has shared with me. And um, we've been discussing a settled life is a separated life. And we've been paying attention to some gaps where deception wants to lie and lurk and, and keep us as, uh, as, as far from God as long as it possibly can. Um, 2022, I was out uh, running at, at, uh, during my prayer summit that I was doing in North Georgia. And um, the Lord spoke to me and he said, son, he said, in 2022, uh, I, I want you to realize that it's going to be a year of transparency. And I'll get into some things in just a little bit, but if there's a passage of scripture that really defines uh, where uh, so many people are, it's found in Proverbs 30, verse 12. There was a generation that is pure in its own eyes, yet has not washed itself from its filthiness. And um, I really think that we need to be open to returning to the altar. We need to be open to conviction and repentance and um, seeing the fruit from that. How many realize that that's non-condemning, but it's, it's probably uh, intervention on steroids, Right? Because, I mean, who am I to wrestle with a sovereign God that knows me from my beginning to my end, got everything 
paced out for me and then me make some my own decisions that really cost me and have a problem with the one that wants to adjust me. I'm reminded of I go, I stay at Apostle's house and he used to have a cat that, you know, I don't know if the cat was willing or, or, or reluctant, but he used to adjust that cat's neck. And I think the cat enjoyed it, uh, you know, I guess. But uh, sometimes adjustments are not always that easy. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Yes. <laughs> it was a great cat. It was kind of weird, but it was, you know, uh, you know, but it was a great cat. Okay, okay. Uh, well, well, um, we'll, we'll roll with that. <laughs> but anyways... Um, during the pandemic, the first, you know, when it, this thing was whole announced to us as a nation, um, it, it drove me to get alone with the Lord. And um, the Lord began to talk to me out of the book of Job and told me, um, I'm going to speak to my people from a whirlwind. And I love symbolisms in Scripture because they really define some things. And a whirlwind in Scripture means that a God that is in complete control is letting humanity know when it feels like it's out of control that he's in charge. And from a whirlwind, he began to talk to Job in chapter 38 and also in chapter 40. In chapter 38, he was just letting Job know, hey, look, you know, where were you when I, when I created all this and did I need your advice? And in chapter 40, he announces to Job out of a whirlwind, I'm not going to do it your way. And I'll wait you out until you're willing to do it my way. So creation sometimes can feel like it's a little out of control. Um, but we got to remember that the God that is in our, involved with our lives and our lives involved with him is in complete control. So the Lord said out of this is going to come two camps. A camp that is going to go back to where they came from. How many realize that that's a huge mistake? We talked about going back to where we warmed ourselves with previous company, and it, it, it won't last, okay? You'll, be, you, you'll grow disgruntled, you'll, you'll grow discouraged. Uh, but then the Lord told me, he said, there's going to be a camp that will emerge that will want to meet with me. Wanna, they're going to want to keep their fingers on the pulse of my heart. So I'm not interested in going back to, folk, uh, to fog machines that imitate the Holy Ghost and skinny jeans that my body just doesn't fit. Yeah, I'm just, you, sometimes you just got to get real enough to say it, right? My body doesn't fit in skinny jeans, okay? So um, we found ourselves, and we do find ourselves, in a great, great time because 22, I love biblical uh, uh, or, or numerical revelation and when it really aligns itself prophetically. 22, it means to walk in the light. And I really believe that when you walk into the light, you can't help but get exposed, right? And sometimes that exposure is not always comfortable. It can be embarrassing. It can, be, uh, it can bring a real season of brokenness to your life. But this is where we're at. We're being given an opportunity to walk in the light with him. And the Lord told me, he said, he said, this camp that has emerged, it's moving ahead. And I love remnant passages like Ezra 9 and 8, where God spares a remnant that he might share grace with them to experience revival in times of bondage. I love anybody that has a willingness to advance to want to move beyond where they are to where God wants them to be. And I think that what has happened is we've dropped into a birth canal. And when you get into that birth canal, there's no turning back. 
And so I, I would say that what's going to happen is uh, ministry is going to be, uh, there's a fresh demand on ministry, like the uh, five foolish virgins and the five wise. One knew how to birth, the other knew how to borrow. And the day of borrowing is over. I believe that God is trimming our lamps for the bridegroom and the coming of the bridegroom. Thank you. Like never before. And Stephanie, I, I can't, you know, a lot of times when I go to, where did Stephanie go? She went where? What? Okay, there she is. Stephanie, I can't thank you. I, I love going to churches that, you know, that, that sing your, your, your message before you get up to preach it. And how many uh, can recall uh, Stephanie's opening song, uh, Lord, I Want to See You? Yeah. Um, to be honest with you, one of the things that the Lord said to me about what he's got me introducing the body of Christ to is he said to me, he said, I want my people to see me. Okay? And anyone who has seen the Lord changes. Abraham saw the Lord and changed. Amen. Jacob saw the Lord and changed. Moses, Peter, James, John, people have seen God and changed. Can I uh, open this morning with a passage out of the first chapter of Revelation? The revelator saw him and changed. In Revelation 1, verse 15, his feet were like fine brass as it uh, as it, as it, if refined in the furnace, brass is a symbol of human nature. Uh, his walk with his human nature had been refined. It had been brought into the submission of the father's will. And the, the revelator goes on to say his voice as the sound of many waters. He had, he, he had in his right hand, seven stars and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was like the sun shining in its strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. And um, I just want to just tell you that I've been in some real strong encounters with God. And um, my heart has been broken. I realize thank you. I realize how unlike him I had become. And I was preaching what is the word of the Lord, but I was expressing it through an old model. My intentions were good, but my actions were off when it came to his nature. And I'd just been going through some changes. And um, it does my heart good to, to know that people are seeing that because I desire only to try and be a blessing to the body of Christ. 1 John 1 and 7 says, But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ his Son cleanses us from all sin. The word transparency 
It means to let light shine through you to give a clear picture of what is behind you. Scriptures that I want to share with you this morning are, are, are interesting passages. We'll look at Ezekiel chapter 14, verse 19 first. I believe that um, those will come up. Ezekiel 14, verse 19. Well, I, I want to keep moving. Um, yeah, uh, I, I should have just, uh, maybe uh, there was a passage prior to, I was supposed to read out of John 11, but I just kind of got a little redirected uh, this morning. If it helps the sound people, the, let, let me read from John 11 first. All right. In John chapter 11, verse 20, Now Martha, as soon as, he, as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him, but Mary was sitting in the house. Now Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, somebody's having a rough morning. <laughs> you know, when you're a parent, you know, you just, you know, you, you hear stuff, you know. <laughs> somebody's having a rough morning. We can all sympathize with that, right? <laughs> Bless his heart. <laughs> okay. So um, the, the scripture goes on to say, I can't help but laugh about stuff like that. <laughs> Amen. Because, you know, it seems like it's it seems like it's just, you know, a little distracting. But to me, when you're a parent, you get it. OK, so whoever's involved with that child, relax. We're all good. OK, amen. So the scripture goes on to say, now, Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give it to you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he'll rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who, he who believes in me, though he may die, shall live. And whoever lives, believe, be, whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who has come into the world. And when she had said these things, she went her way and secretly called Mary, her sister, saying, The teacher has come and is calling for you. I believe that there is a, a calling on the body of Christ right now. I believe that the head of the church is summoning those that really want to know what's going on to come to him. In Exodus chapter 14, verse 19, okay, the, the Bible says, And the angel of God who went before the camp of Israel moved and went behind them, and the pillar of cloud went before them and stood behind them. Now remember what that word transparency means, to let light shine through you to give a clear picture to what is behind you. There's somebody standing at our six. Amen. And I really believe with all my heart that as we go forward, bearing fruit, remember I, I shared with you on Friday night, I think that we're getting postured to bear fruit that we might not really fully understand. Okay, so it, this is the this is the beauty of Christianity to me. The exciting part about Christianity is it's constantly unfolding and it's always fresh. Exodus chapter three, verse 12. 
or I'm sorry, Ezekiel chapter 3, verse 12. Then the Spirit lifted me up, and I heard behind me a great thunderous voice. Blessed is the glory of the Lord from his place. The Revelator tells it this way in Revelation 1.10. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. How many realize that that's important? Okay. And I heard behind me a loud voice as of a trumpet. Psalms 139, verse 5, probably one of my favorite passages that I've kind of grown close to over this last season. You have hedged me behind and before and laid your hand upon me. You know, it's just been, it's, when I say bizarre, it's been, it's been something that I have not ever account, encountered before. But ever since this uh, season of transition in my life, all I can tell you, I just, I don't, I got to use verbiage to try and describe what I'm feeling. Um, all I can tell you is I feel that the hand of God is just resting on my back. And I don't fully get it. You know, I really don't. And I really, I really come into the feeling of that, and I'm glad that I serve a God that I can feel, but I really come into the feeling of that, especially when somebody needs a miracle. Um, and there's just been some wonderful things going on. And I love Isaiah 52, 12. For you shall not go out with haste, nor go by flight, for the Lord will go before you, and the God of Israel will be your rear guard. Now, this word transparency, it means, to, it goes on to define itself, or to do things in such a way that it reveals the one that stands with you. So I think that we're in a time where God's about ready to put himself on display through us. Amen? Amen. A walk that reveals the identity of Jesus, but also it reveals the example that a young generation needs to see from an older generation. The generation behind us, not only the God that stands with us, but we've, we have an opportunity to set a tone for the days to come for a younger generation than like never before, okay? And, and one thing I love about young generations is they can spot what's authentic, and they can also spot what's fake. So I think that in a time where most people are not reading their Bible, people are still reading the church. They're still looking at the, the conduct of the church, right? And our culture of the kingdom will always be a counterculture to the world. It'll always be this way. So we're being called out from among them and being separated. We're being called to walk in the light. We're being called to, to, to renew ourselves and, and to refine ourselves and to come forth in the likeness of His influence on our lives. When the Lord said to me, the word transparency, he went on to talk to me, and, and, and Apostle, uh, I, I love when you, you kind of kicked in on some things I want to say today, but when the Lord said to you, I'm better than this, or you're better than this, this is part of what the Lord has said to me. He, went, he just said, son, he said, I want you to understand that you're not only better than this, but I want you to know that I'm better than where you know me. Now, I don't know about you, but that's exciting to me. Hello? So when the Lord started talking to me about this, he said, I have no problem with my people seeing and knowing all that I am. 
Now, let me encourage you. There, therein lies the religious threat. Well, are you saying that we can be like him or be just like God? Well, that's not what I'm saying at all. We can be like him in likeness. We were created in his likeness, but it will be impossible for you and I to think that we can be his equal. Okay? Now, uh, I'm thankful that when I get born again, his ways should become my ways. His thoughts should become my thoughts. Right? Amen. We have access to that. But it has nothing to do with me being as good as God. That would be impossible. I, I'm sure that if you've been around me for any length of time, you probably can honestly say I'm glad that he's not the Lord. <laughs> and and part, of my, part of my transformation has been found in my opportunity to father uh, young generations. And part of what the Lord has laid out by way of a format for me to follow is he said, let everybody that comes into your life, let them reveal you first and bring that to me and let me work that out through humility and repentance so that I can touch them the way I want them touched. Not the way you think that you should touch them. Now, that's a pretty good approach. And it's, it's, it's really worked a, a tremendous nature in my life to, 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 have, to be more compassionate. Amen? Great things happen around the compassion of the Lord. Wouldn't you agree? Yes. Psalms 98 verse 2 says that the Lord has made known His salvation, His righteousness He has revealed in the sight of the nations. So He left me feeling that He wanted me in the same type of confidence towards Him as He was towards me. He wanted me to see him. He wanted me to know that he sees me before I can see myself. And he wanted me to know that I was, that he was in love with me, no matter how I looked at myself when I saw myself. So before we can make mistakes, understand that God is already ahead of the curve in love with us. And I'm not, I'm not propagating that we would just handle it casually. Like, you know, uh, like people would, you know, they, they won't take communion because they think that their life is goofed up when they're, re they're failing to realize that you do it in remembrance of him and not remembrance of us. We don't handle it casually in the sense that we just know that we're living in open sin. We go ahead and do it without any type of respect or honor. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about when we genuinely make a mistake out of ignorance. God is way ahead of the curve to let us know that I love you and I'm there to coach you through this, this season and bring you out better and in greater likeness of me. Amen? So man only covers himself with fig leaves when man knows that he is in direct disobedience to God. That's the only time you'll find yourself in any type of cover-up is when you know when you've sinned in the face of knowledge and you know that you're in direct disobedience to the Lord. So spots and wrinkles and blemishes should be our first aim. And then I think that as we look at a personal consecration to our lives, what will happen is it will provide a sovereign protection corporately over the church. When people come in here and they might not be as dialed in through sanctification, and that's not a bad word. When you look at Hebrews chapter 12, when you look at rebuke and chastisement and scourging, how many realize that anything outside of the understanding of the feelings of those words or the understandings of those words is basically a direct revelation of how illegitimate we still are? Okay, and this is where roots of bitterness come. 
come from. People, roots of bitterness don't come from, you know, premature death and bankruptcies and divorces and things like this. Roots of bitterness come in the lives of people when they think that they didn't get what they thought that they should get to be the person that they dream about being. And a hundred different times, God sends people across our path or we hear sermons and opportunity comes and it goes, opportunity comes and it goes, and we don't seize it. But yet we stay at a distance. Really, we don't want to be vulnerable enough to understand what it means to be chastised, scourged, rebuked. And it has nothing to do with being mean-spirited. It has everything to do with communication. You see, if we can't be teachable, we can't be trusted. And it's not that God's, God's, God's just simply saying, these are, these are covenant words that I have. And if you'll understand the meaning and the nature of the meaning behind these words, you'll receive them by somebody that loves you and sees beyond you like I see you, and you'll have no problem embracing the opportunity. Psalms 93 verse 5 says, holiness adorns your house. Psalms 101 verse 2 says, I will behave wisely in a perfect way. Oh, when you will come to me, I will walk within my house with a perfect heart. Psalms 91 and 1 says, He, referring to Jesus, who dwells in the secret place of the Most High, shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. So Jesus' shadow was coming from the light of the Father. Acts chapter 5, verse 15, so that they brought out the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and couches that at least the shadow of Peter passing by might fall on some. So the shadow of Peter was the light of the Holy Ghost on his life. You and I have been embraced by the paraclete, the third party of the Trinity, the spirit of truth. <laughs> How dare me tell the spirit of truth you're wrong? You're just wrong. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Therein lies God laughing at us. Like, and, and I love the Lord because he's got enough time to wait us all out. Right? So the fruit of the Spirit is huge. I love the fruit of the Spirit. I would rather be around the fruit of the Spirit than the gifts of the Spirit. Because if I'm around the gifts of the Spirit without the nature of the fruit of the Spirit, somebody's going to get hurt. Right? And I think that if we will mature in the fruit of the Spirit... What will happen is we'll recognize when our motivation gets a little outside of his nature. And we will be quickly pulled back on course. And then when we get around people that are operating out of the nature of God, we will not be quick to judge them. What we'll do is we'll be quick to have compassion on them and let them know, hey, maybe they just woke up on the wrong side of the bed. Maybe they're having the same day that that little child's having, right? You know, I want to be, be long-suffering to try and understand before I react so that the course of my action can be like Christ. How about you? And I got a feeling that when we're moving in the gifts of the Spirit like that, oh, I believe that it's a true expression of God's true manifestation, manifested nature. I really do. But anyways... So scientifically, are you ready for this? No? <laughs> scientifically, our bodies are created to admit light. I, I, I wanted to show you this picture. I was preaching um, a, a biker rally in Texas, and um, 32 one-percenters got saved in that service. We're talking about people that have to kill people to belong. 
And um, it freaked the whole crowd out. I didn't even know it was happening. But there was this glow all over me. And God graced me to preach to a crowd that he loves. Amen? So scientifically, our bodies are called to admit lights. Now, this is, this is, I don't know how they got this, but this is a scientific fact. Scientifically, there is a burst of light upon conception. What does that tell you? It tells you that when somebody leaves his world to come into this world, it's announced by light. All right? So Genesis 1.26 is that let us, God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. I believe that this is where the light comes from. Exodus 34 verse 29 says, Now Moses, or now it was so, when Moses came down from Mount Sinai, and the two tablets and the testimony were in Moses' hand when he came down from the mountain, that Moses did not know that his skin and his face shone while he talked with them. What was going on? He was back in his original atmosphere, and then he was sent back to make a difference. And as he was blending into this world of darkness, the light that he had been in, was starting to be seen. John chapter 1, verses uh, 1 through 5 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. And Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Verse 14 says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. The glory as of the only begotten Father, full of grace and truth. So we're born into this life. We're born back into the life that we were originated, originally formed in. Amen. Glory to God. And in the process of that, by walking in the transparency that God has called us to walk in, our lives show forth the evidence of who's with us. Now, this is exciting. In Acts chapter 2, verses 15 through 18, we find that the room had been illuminated with the fire of God. And um, how many realize that there's a difference being drunk in the spirit than being drunk with a spirit? <laughs> right? If you, you're going to drink, get, just stay full of the Holy Ghost, right? You stay full of the Holy Ghost, what happens? Your walk Stay straight. Your thoughts stay straight. Your verbiage stay straight. Amen. It's a compliment. I had a young person came to me not too long ago, and he said, man, he said, you just preach straight. And I thought, I didn't know what he was talking about, you know. I don't know if he was dealing with thinking about my homosexual or being, you know, some kind of, you know, homosexuality or, or what. I, he said, you just preach straight. They just want it straight. Right. But listen, if you get filled with a wrong spirit, how many realize you can't you can't pass a field sobriety test? Your walk is going to be all over the place. Right. Your thoughts are going to be all over the place. Your verbiage is going to be all over the place. So I want to encourage you. Let's just stay in the light. I want to stay around the influence of him. Right. All right. Let's get into our text this morning. That was just kind of a long introduction. <laughs> What's that? Are you going to take that? Well, well you, you, you do what you feel led to do, I guess. I don't know. 
uh, just um, why do you do this to me? <laughs> now I'm now I want to joke around, you know, but. <laughs> I got songs going through my head. Jump around, jump around. <laughs> no. in, in John 11 and 1, Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. And it was that Mary who appointed or who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore, the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Or basically, his assignment was now starting to become very, very clear. He's getting ready to introduce them to something that they had never been exposed to before, okay? I love this because there's a thousand different things that we can, saw, we can say about this. In, in, in John 9, we find that Jesus has come across the path of a blind man, and the same terminology comes up, that this situation in time was designed by the Father, the foreordained, predestinated, uh, designed by the Father, for a manifestation to come that would point to the incarnate Christ. Okay? The problem was, is it happened on the Sabbath. And what they were not realizing was, is this was a manifestation that was scriptural, but it was just a little bit beyond their ability to accept it because it was different. And I think that Christians sometimes, we get, we get twisted up like that. We know what's happening is scriptural, but because it's a little outside of our acceptance factor, we have a hard, hard time with it at times, right? And, and I love, you know, God's got a way of wrecking religion. How many realize that he wrecked it at Jericho? I mean, they marched around the city, right, one time, six days. And on the seventh day, they marched around seven times and shouted. How many realize that one of those days had to have been a Sabbath day? What I'm saying is if you catch a revelation of who the Sabbath is really designed by and for, the walls come down like they came down at Jericho. Right? So the Lord's got a way of wrecking religion. Amen? Because <laughs> you got money, man. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I got some money here. You can throw some. Throw some. <laughs> Go ahead. I've never had an original thought. So, but I, I I bring this out because of the omniscient God that we serve. This omnipresent God that we serve. This God that knew that Jesus would be there at a specific time to manifest a specific work. Okay, we have the privilege of walking in this same type of timing. All right? So omniscience or omnipresence, can be we can be sensitive to that. And let me encourage you, all right? Let me just encourage you. God is the same everywhere. Everywhere. But not to the same degree that he might be in your life as he is in others. He manifests himself to the hungry. So Jesus was walking in timing. Jesus was walking in sync. Jesus was walking in the rhythm of the Father. And when he came across the woman at the well in John 4, when he came across the blind man in John 9, when he came across this Lazarus situation in John 11, he knew that he was in a kairos moment. 
A window of time had opened. An incision had been made for him to step through and to manifest something that the Father set in order to manifest if he was just sensitive to bring it forth. Amen. I, I, I call it, listen, you know, I, when, I, when I pray, no, most of the time what I hear is something that's going to happen later. It's, it's nothing more than Acts chapter 19 when, when, when God was speaking to our, uh, it's not 19, but when God was speaking to Ananias, Acts, Acts chapter 9, when God was speaking to Ananias, go to the street called Straight because there's a man praying there. He's persecuted the church. But I want you to bring healing to him. Scales of blindness fell off of Paul, and he was baptized in the Holy Spirit. What I'm saying is your prayer life should have an assignment attached to it. Shouldn't just be praying. When I pray, normally word of knowledge will come to me, and then I'm now subject to being obedient to the timing of it. The world calls it deja vu. I call up my body catching up with where my spirit's been in harmony with our Father. Happening right here. Okay, happening right here. So the God who sits on the circle of the earth, Isaiah 40, verse 22, the God who sits on the floods of the earth, Psalms 29 and 10, places in our pathway, waiting on us to join Him in perfect timing, to manifest the way His Son set forth an example for us to follow in. Amen? So we have to be sensitive to what we're coming into. The question should be, is this, what is predestinated and foreordained that I am being called to recognize and be sensitive to? I'm convinced that Peter would have never been there on the day of Pentecost unless Jesus had made that second fire. And ran him down, pulled him back, and put him on the path of being able to recognize outpourings and then describe them. I, this is what I believe we're being prepared for. I believe that if we will listen to the prophets and we're making the, 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 the necessary changes, not only will our, will our lives show forth the fruit of what's predestinated to happen before it happens. It'll all be a forerunning event. People will start looking at you and they'll go, my God, where have you been? Who have you been hanging out with? And then all of a sudden the, the, the movement will hit and you're already airing the fruit of the movement before it hits. Are we okay with that? Yes. So Proverbs 27 and 7 says, A satisfied soul loathes or hates or is disgusted or is repulsive the honeycomb. The truce of God, normally because it brings order, but to a hungry soul, every bitter thing is sweet. So when you get around somebody that is, think, thinks that they've, they've, they've arrived, they think that they know everything that they need to know, Normally, it's somebody that has settled somewhere. And they're not even really real, realizing how separated they really are. Stay hungry. And I know sometimes hunger takes exposure, but I think that this is exactly what God is doing. Exposing himself. Revelation 2.5, 2, Remember, therefore, from where you've fallen, repent and do your first works. 
or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place of influence unless you repent. Could you imagine the church being influenced by something else other than God? I know that I'm being a little sarcastic here. No, I'm, I'm, I'm being honest with you because you'd be surprised what the church entertains themselves with and it ain't God. Just because it's good doesn't mean it's God, right? All right. And, and I will tell you, <laughs> not everybody you see on TV, God's happy with. All right. I, I never want to get to a place where um, <laughs> the Holy Ghost just said, I, I rescued you from the place you're getting ready to talk about. Spirit of truth. Spirit of truth. I never want to get to a place, even though I've been to that place and I got the t-shirt in the video. Okay. <laughs> now I'm getting sidetracked. <laughs> but anyways, I never want to get to a place where I am influenced by something other than the influence of the Lord. And, and, and you know, you know, anybody ever worked uh, in, the ban in, in the banking world? or you know, uh, How many realize that when they train you, they don't train you with counterfeit money. They show you the real money so that you can spot the counterfeit money. And when you're around the real deal, when the counterfeit shows up, you kind of go ding, 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 ding. It's like, you know, a song being played. And you're just enjoying it until you hit that, that key that's out of tune. Okay, and you got to be sensitive to those, to those checks in your spirit, right? So I was in New York, um, and I will tell you something great is happening in, in New York. Uh, Apostle have been prophesying for years that out of western New York will come the move of God for America. And I was just up in New York, and, and I've been laboring up there for 28 years. And I'm talking about some, some tough soil. And it hasn't been from other than from this last trip that I saw a receptiveness to the gospel. Something's going on. And, and, and there have been, I think that the Lord's going to use me in, in, that, in that way. I think that God's going to use your apostle in that way. Some words have been given to me about my ministry, retracing the steps of Finney. Well, I'm open to that. You know, I mean, I'm just, I try and win somebody to Jesus every day, you know, so whatever. Um, <laughs> I don't know what it is about the spirit of truth this morning. The Lord says, what I said, whatever the Holy Ghost said, what do you mean, whatever? <laughs> He said, you better pay attention. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm going to repent before you. I'm sorry. Okay. I'm open, God. I'm open. <laughs> but anyways, I'm in this meeting, and the atmosphere was crazy, scary crazy. You know what I'm saying? And I believe that this is the coming presence that's going to rule the church. It's called the Shekinah. Sin can't hide. Our wills can't coexist. You, you, you can't, you can't, it's like, it's like being in the presence of time and, and, and you come out of there and you realize you've been in there for five hours and you're kind of going, what the heck? It felt like five minutes. People are going to come to church and they're going to get into the first chord played, Stephanie, and the power of God's going to hit and they're going to say, what must I do to be saved? People are, people are not going to have to be found through word of knowledge. You know, sometimes, uh, you know, you, you give an altar call for word of knowledge or out of word of knowledge for healing and things of this sort, and then you got to spend the rest of the, the altar call trying to find all the disobedient in the congregation through word of knowledge to try and get them healed. It won't be like that. I mean, while we praise, we're going to get healed. 
while we worship, we're going to see miracles. Amen. People are going to be delivered in their minds, all because of the atmosphere of perfection that will not tolerate imperfection in its presence. Amen. So I'm in this meeting and, and it got scary, crazy. And I, I got, you know, normally I just raise the white flag and say, God, help. And I didn't know what to do. And I said, God, whatever you tell me to do, I'll do it. Whatever you tell me to do. And the Lord doesn't always give me easy assignments. The Lord told me to dip my finger in oil and shove it in the lady's ear in a service. I said, God, you are the weirdest. <laughs> I, <laughs> stop it. Stop. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get through this, okay? <laughs> stop it. <laughs> Boy, I say I'm finding my own answers this morning, aren't I? <laughs> and 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 uh, and about 25 miles away from the meeting, a woman's husband was driving a tractor across the field, and the power of God came on him, and 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 the Lord pumped in a brand new eardrum in his head. His old eardrum dried up and fell out of his head. <laughs> so I, you know, the Lord just tells me to do some strange stuff sometimes, but you know, um, I don't always get it. But as long as, you know, the Lord uh, has his way in it, that's all, that's all that, I matter, that matters to me. So this presence got real strong, and I'm going, God, whatever you want me to do. And the Lord quickly said to me, it's not about what I want you to do. It's about what you want me to do. I said, what? I said, if that's the case, I want every sinner in the building saved. If that's the case. I want every person that needs a miracle to receive a miracle. If that's the case, I want every person that needs to be delivered. I don't care if it's from a hangnail. I want to see them delivered. And it was on. It was on. I'm convinced that this is what's getting ready to crash the party. It's going to be the, it's going to be the calling card. People are going to come from all over to want to be in the atmosphere of it. I really do. And, and, and we have the privilege of bringing it, bringing it to our workplaces and bringing it to our communities as we circulate through our, our society. People looking at us and saying, my God, I see the one that stands behind you. Amen. In verse five of this chapter, and let me begin to close. And I only have one long closing. Try and do it in 14 minutes. In verse 5, the Bible says, Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he had heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. Kind of an odd thing. Then after this, he said to, to the disciples, Let us go to Judea again. Then the disciples said to him, Rabbi, lately the Jews sought to stone you. And you are going there again? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble, because he sees the light of this world. But if, you, but if one walks in the night, he stumbles, because the light, the light is not in him. These things he said, and after that he had said them, our friend Lazarus, he says, our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I might wake him up. I just wanted to say this kindly. The church is in a wake-up call. 
Because I think that we've been about a, a thousand different things and we haven't been about our father's business. I'm going to say it. You know, we, we all want to mature. We all want to grow. We want to all be productive and fruitful. And I'll be glad when we do it God's way. Every one of us have ministries to develop through. Ministry of helps. Ministry of reconciliation. This is what the church should be about. This is how you mature people. I know a ministry in California that gives people one year to be involved, and if they're not involved, they ask them to leave because they don't want dead wood sitting around. You're going to develop more outside the church than you will hearing the word week after week in the church. Absolutely. And I've got, listen, if the mandate of this house, if, 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 the, if the vision of this house could be the commission of the church, you're not going to be able to control the growth. I, man, it, it, it burns in me to lead people to Jesus. You, you might say, well, you know, you're in full, you're in, you're in full time ministry. I'm a believer. Long before I'm a, I'm a fivefold ministry gift, number one, I'm a worshiper. And number two, I'm a believer. So my passion is to lead people to Jesus. My passion is to cast out devils. My passion, <laughs> that's right, we still cast out devils. You might say, well, do I got a devil? I would ask your wife. <laughs> I'd ask your husband. And then if they won't tell you the truth, I'd ask your kids. They'd be going, oh, dad, dad, dad needs some help. <laughs> okay, I'm playing. Everybody relax. I'm playing. All right. What's that? He'd tell you, okay. <laughs> Amen. So I think that, that we have an opportunity here to really get on track with some real fruitfulness. Amen. Wouldn't it be awesome to invite somebody that's in dire straits into the goodness that your life has been so enriched by? Wouldn't it? Nothing is going to fulfill you greater than leading somebody to the Lord Jesus Christ. So he goes on to say this in verse 12. Then his disciples said, Lord, if he sleeps, he's going to get well. However, Jesus spoke of his death, but they thought that he was speaking about taking rest and sleep. Now, this is what I want you to catch. Then Jesus said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and I am glad for your sakes that I was not there, that you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go to him. So it's interesting that Jesus says this. It's an odd statement for me to, to look at. I'm glad for your sakes that I was not there. Now, what does he mean? He means that if I had come when you wanted me to come, you would have gotten what you were used to getting. But I delayed for your sakes. Do you understand sometimes when seasons of delay get on the body of Christ, we can get frustrated, we can get discouraged, right? But it's for our sakes. Apparently, I might not have the awakening that I need 
character-wise, to be able to handle what I'm getting ready to be introduced to. I mean, it's just a thought, right? So what did Jesus do? He waited four days before he came. They had never experienced the fourth day. Jewish custom says this, that a man's spirit would hover over a grave for three days after he died and then depart. He waited four days. Well, that's what Mary and Martha said. Hey, Lord, don't roll out of the rock by now. He stinks, right? So he waits four days. He waits out their traditions that he might expose them to the real manifestation of the kingdom. And God's got a way of waiting us out. God's got a way of preparing us for things that we don't know nothing about. Noah didn't know what rain was, but yet he's still prepared. And I think that we can all smell the change of season coming. Right? So even Caiaphas, in, in, in verses 49 through 52, the high priest of that day starts prophesying the timing of what Jesus was introducing and how perfect it was, how he was in rhythm with the Father's will. Now this is, and, and the scripture says that this man did not prophesy according to his own authority. Okay? So the Lord began to deal with me, and he said, Son, he said, I want you to tell my people, that all of humanity from the beginning to the end and timing is trapped in my favor. What matters is how we conduct our affairs in, a, in, a, in agreement to being obedient that will determine the outcome of what God has favored our lives to do. Joseph is a prime example. Egypt would have never been spared unless they were trapped in his favor. He had to be obedient. Potiphar's marriage would have crumbled and ended up in divorce, but they found out that they were trapped in his favor. Even his own family that tried to kill him, this is a real earmark of maturity. When you have the patience and the endurance and the long-suffering and the gentleness to restore people that are trying to kill you because you realize that they're trapped in your favor and they can't see it, they're just reacting against you. But to hold the course with the nature of Christ, because you see a picture that is beyond what you're used to. If he had come when he wanted, they wanted him to come, I mean, even, even what they said, what we've already read, even now, God, whatever you ask, he'll do it. But that's not, not the reason why he came. He came for our sakes to introduce us to something beyond where we're at. In Hebrews 13, 5, he says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Verse 8 goes on to say that Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Revelation 1 and 8 says, I'm Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. So he's Alpha and Omega and who is. Alpha and Omega and who was. Alpha and Omega and who is to come. Beginning and end in all dynamics. Amen? So let me just encourage you with some thought. In every new season, there has to be different thinking. 
And 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, God's not given us a spirit of fear, but one of love, power, and a sound mind. How many realize it's in the sound thinking of the church that's providing sound counsel to the world? This is our responsibility. I'm telling you, from coast to coast, I travel this country. I've never seen this country blanketed by anxiety and oppression and schizophrenia and all kinds of other mental diseases and other than in this year. It's been disastrous. I mean, even in the body of Christ, they're at odds with each other concerning what we should do. I just say, let's just draw close to the Lord. Let's just get underneath His influence. Amen? Because I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this, but I'm not going to use the terminology lightly. But I'm going to say double portion. Everybody say double portion. Please hear me. This, this warped con man presentation to the body of Christ is like a Johnny Carson uh, you know, service where you got envelopes, you stick them on his forehead, and then he can, say what, he can interpret what's in the envelope. These people that come in here and say, well, we're going to have a double portion service. Really? Really? Well, show me that in the Bible. <laughs> right? And then listen to this. You're not going to be exposed to a double portion. And this is what I believe a real double portion is for until you start developing a desire to take care of somebody else other than yourself. And then all of a sudden, you get exposed to a double portion. So in my fathering, the Lord told me, he said, just ask people to get to you, ask people to get home from you, and pay for everything else in between. I said, I need a double portion. Because normally these people can eat. <laughs> How many realize that Elisha was called to walk in a double portion, but he died premature? He died after his 13th miracle. He was designed to bring forth 14 miracles. And then his grave was uncovered and a body was thrown in on bones. Bones symbolically in Scripture refer to promises. If God's made a promise, he can't back up on it. Do you understand what I'm trying to tell you? I'm getting ready to show you how, how defined this moment is. He's made an oath to this moment in time. It's called double portion. Okay, let me just show you what I'm talking about. And I believe that God finishes what he starts. When that body was thrown in on those bones, number 14 was there waiting on it. I believe that there's something waiting on us to join ourselves to. We got to quit asking God to come to us. We got to start responding to God saying, God, I want he wants me to come to him. Right? So in Matthew 1, 17, it says there's, there's three groupings of 14 generations. So we already know that 14 means salvation. Three is the number of God that means divine completeness, God's mighty acts. But you add 14, 14, and 14 together, you get 42, which means in Scripture, the arrival of a notable person or thing. Timing. Timing. An advent of manifestation. When Jesus introduced resurrection power to Mary and Martha and Lazarus, he introduced the Father's plan of redemption that started in Genesis 22. The timing of it had come into the earth, just like the timing of something different is ready to kiss the earth. The real reason, I want you to pay attention to this, the real reason he was sent into the world wasn't because of miracles and healings. 
and prophetic confirmations and, and deliverances and things of this sort. These things only help us live better in this life. They're not going to be needed in heaven. Right? The real reason that he came into this world. Galatians 3.3. 3, are you so foolish having begun in the spirit? Are you now made perfect by the flesh? One of my apostolic friends says this to me all the time. You just turn everything into salvation. Would anybody like to know why? All right. I'll move on. The reason I do is because the initial act of signs and wonders, the origin of signs and wonders is in salvation. Do you understand what's going to happen the minute you are designed in the timing of God to come across the path of somebody that God has prepared for you to minister to? You're not only going to lead them to Jesus, but you're going to lead them into the signs and wonders of Jesus. Song of Solomon 3 and 2 says, I will arise now, I said, and go about the city in the streets and in the squares, and I will seek the one I love. I sought him, but I did not find him. And I will say this before I go farther. God's not hiding himself from us. He's hiding himself for us. Okay? All we have to do is be willing to join him. Amen. All right? Ephesians chapter 1 or chapter 4, verse 11 says that he ascended on high and gave gifts to men. But it never finishes the direct quote out of Psalm 68, 18, that there might be representatives among the rebellion. The gifts of the, the, listen, the fivefold ministry and the gifts of the Spirit are not designed to just function in the, in the church. The apostles were the greatest soul winners in the New Testament. So when I see somebody that calls themselves an apostle or calls them this, or I look at them and I, I study them. Are you there in just name only, or do you really air the real nature of your so-called call? Hello? So we're supposed to be amongst the world in every avenue of life. Amen. Psalms 90 and verse 1, Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. And I believe this. I believe Job 23.3. Oh, that I might know where I might find him, that I might come to his seat and dwell there. Let me close. Malachi 3 and verse 11. I will rebuke the devourer. Can anybody finish that for me? Yeah, we're skipping over the most important part. I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. Do you understand what's going on here? Jesus said, for your sake, I did not come that I, I would have the opportunity to adjust you so that you could be ready for what I want to introduce you to. And for your sakes, I rebuke the devourer. What is he saying? He's talking about bearing fruit here, a different authority operative in a different season. God knows how to ripen things all the way to the end, right? And wherever there's a fresh perspective, 
there was also a fresh judgment given by the Father. Psalms 105, verse 5. Anything that is outside of His Word, He's already pronounced a judgment on it. So, for our sakes, I believe this. I believe that our finances are getting ready to hit an undefiled position. I believe our families. Oh, I got to looking around the church this morning and I, I thought, all those young people. How cool is that? Our, our families are ready to be saved. I believe this. I believe that we're getting ready to see fruit beyond this meeting that God has designed for quite some time for us to be a part of. And it'll be a sovereign thing. I got a feeling that your services over the next six weeks are going to be scary. Not because my friend's preaching. But because of atmosphere. Stephanie, because of atmosphere. I believe that there's some songs in you that you haven't just had the, had the liberty to articulate yet. But you'll find it in the next season of influence. A flow of a psalmist. Hallelujah. A harp that's caught at the top of a bush or strapped to the top of a tent. This is what David would do. He'd strap his harp to the top of his tent and then open his, his doors and let the wind blow across those strings and then respond to the melody of the wind. That's scriptural. That's scriptural. It's in the book of Psalms. Don't ask me to find it right now. I, can't, I, I just, I'm in a different thought. And I close by saying, you might say, well, that's the third time you said you're going to close. John 20, verse 17. Jesus has appeared in the garden and Mary's there. Right? And what's the instructions? Don't cling to me. That's interesting to me. The Greek defines that word cling as meaning, don't keep me the same. I thought we straightened this out at your brother's resurrection. For your sake I delayed, that you might see the real plan that's at work, not what you're used to getting. And now I want you to go forward with this and don't keep me the same. Even though I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever, understand I'm better than where you know me. I'm better than where you know me. Hallelujah. I'm better than where you know me. Hallelujah. I'm better than where you know me. Amen. I guess I'm going to go off camera screen real quick. Let me encourage you. Okay, can I encourage you? All right. I believe this. I believe that within the next 30 days, uh, things are going to clear up. Opportunities to close doors are going to be upon you. So use your days that are still ahead with wisdom. Okay? And please understand that your life has been given a second chance. All right? Seize it. Let God have his way with it. You're going to have to undo some things, and you're going to have to learn to grow into some things, but that's just the process of maturing in Christ. But it'll be the best days of your life. You'll never regret what God has to offer you. Okay?
I want to, I want you to be, I want you to compliment yourself real quick because if you had reacted out of an old nature, you would have found yourself right back concerning where you were. But you made a choice to, to conduct yourself differently. And it not only spared your life, but it spared others. Okay? You've come a lot farther than you realize. Just keep moving, man. Just keep moving. All right? Well, I know in part. Father, I pray. Father, I pray. Oh, God, church, please, Identity Church. I, I, I love your logo, man. It just freaks me out every time I see it. Yeah, because I, I love a place that will let God place his fingerprints on people. Father, I pray for the people today. Lord, I thank you for the invitation that you've given us. And God, I pray that we would seize the moment in the lifetime of the moment. Amen? Now, really, you, the Lord, I, said, I asked the Lord, can I pray for the people? And the Lord said, no, I don't want you to pray for the people. I want you to pray for them. Because what you're going to run into is what he's already prayed about your life to run into. Okay? And let me just say this to you. It's, you know, we use terminology in church like he's about to, he's about to, he's about to. I like talking in the now. From prayer, I've spotted where you're headed. And I wish I could come back next week, but I got to go to Georgia. Hang out with a bunch of bikers that need Jesus. They always bring me armor-piercing bullets, too. They're cool, man. <laughs> Amen. So listen, I, I, I feel like, uh, uh, what's, what's the astronaut on, on Toy Story? I feel like Buzz Lightyear this morning. I, I feel like you, you've. I feel like you've written your name on on, on my foot. <laughs> no, that that part of the movie really struck really strikes me because he now feels accepted. So you wrote you wrote your name on the on the on the bottom of my foot. It, it's not Andy. <laughs> And I don't mean anything other than I've been inscribed upon. Amen. And I thank you for it. Love you guys so much. Oh, wait a minute, real quick. With everybody looking at me, every head open or every eye open, every head up. Okay. You know you need to repent of your sins and ask Jesus to come into your heart. If that's you, I want you to throw your hand up and say, because we're not giving altar calls right anymore. Everybody bow your heads. Close your eyes. Would anybody like to invite Jesus into your heart? No. Who needs to repent of your sins and invite Christ into their hearts? Anybody? Every, anybody? Now, I'm not, no, wait a minute. I'm not talking about being born again, born again. I'm talking about being born again for the first time. Or if you're walking in such a way that you need to renew your life. Anybody? Anybody? 
Well, I never want to give a service an opportunity to close without giving somebody an opportunity to get saved. Greatest thing that will ever happen to you. When I got saved, I left the church service bilingual. <laughs> Had no idea what happened to me. Straight up sinner, came to church. They were getting ready to throw me out of the Marine Corps on a bad conduct discharge. I breached national security with a nuclear warhead. <laughs> See, there's... You might have moved prematurely by inviting me into this place. <laughs> it was crazy, man. I was getting high on... But it, <laughs> I mean, you know, and I'll never forget it. There's this guy on TV at the time. His name was Jimmy Swaggart. And I used to get up on Sunday mornings and, and drink beer and smoke dope and watch him. And he'd grab the side of that piano and start kicking his leg. Glory! I thought, man, this dude's wild. I just kept token. <laughs> then I got the invite to go to church. And I went to one of them churches, you know what I mean? Where I thought I could be safe on the back row. I had no idea how I got to the altar. Next thing I know, I'm inviting Jesus. The Lord, the Lord walked right up and shook my hand. And he said, I'm Elohim. <laughs> I said, really? <laughs> Didn't know nothing, man. And I went home speaking in tongues. And I'm hearing his voice down on the inside. I thought I had become schizophrenic. Yep. I'm not lying. I had no idea what happened to me. No idea what happened to me. And he just keeps walking up to me and shaking my hand. Amen. It's the whole reason why I'm not doing drugs today is what I'm saying. Amen. <laughs> Glory to God. I'm thankful. I'm thankful. It's a good thing to be saved. Amen. Our best days are in front of us. They're not behind us. Apostle, thank you for having me in house. Love you guys. Thank you for watching. For more information about Identity Church, visit us at identitychurch.net or come visit us on a Sunday morning at 10 a.m. 777 Deltona Boulevard in Deltona, Florida. God bless.